Hey Sids, welcome back to Girl Goodnight. I'm Return of Lamac, and every Sunday you can relax to binaural beats while I read you a melanated bedtime story. Tap into this show on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All links will be in the episode description. Submit original work and future episode suggestions to girlgoodnightpodcast at gmail.com. Help your friends sleep in melanated peace. Girl, share the show and show us some love with a five-star rating and review. Tonight, we will be reading Mini Sacrifice, written by Frances Harper in 1869. Frances Ellen Watkins Harper, born in 1825, was one of the first black women to be published in the United States. She worked with William Still to help refugee slaves find freedom in Canada through the Underground Railroad and was an activist with the American Anti-Slavery Society. In 1894, she helped found the National Association of Colored Women and served as vice president. She died at age 85 in 1911. Many Sacrifice was originally published as a serialization of three novels in the Christian Recorder, a journal by the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Many Sacrifice is the story of a woman living in the North whose identity and heritage is kept from her until she unexpectedly meets her birth mother, an escaped slave. She marries a man whose racial identity and heritage were also kept from him, and they move to the South to participate in uplifting and empowering members of their race. Now, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and sleep in melanated peace. Where was he staring, and now the course of his life was changed? What kind of future must he make for himself? Had it been in time of peace, he could have easily decided as he had a large amount of money in the North which his father left him when he came of age. He would have no difficulty as to choosing the means of living for he was well supplied as far as that was concerned. But here was a most unpleasant dilemma in which he had placed himself. Convinced that he was allied up to the Negro race, his whole soul rose up against the idea of laying one straw in its way. If he belonged to the race, he would not join its oppressors. And yet, his whole sympathy had been so completely with them that he felt he had no feeling in common with the North. And as to the colored people, of course it never entered his mind to join their ranks and ally himself to them. He had always regarded them as inferior, and this sudden and unwelcome revelation had not changed the whole tenor of his thoughts and opinions. But what he had to do must be done quickly, for in less than three days his company would start for the front. To desert was to face death, to remain was to wed dishonor. He surveyed the situation calmly and bravely, and then resolved that he would face the perils of recapture rather than contempt of his own soul. While he was deciding, he heard Camilla's step in the passage, 
He opened the door and beckoned her to a seat and said very calmly, I have been weighing the whole matter in my mind and I have concluded to leave the South. How can you do it? said Camilla. I tremble lest you should be discovered. Oh, slavery, what a curse. Our fathers sowed the wind and we are reaping the whirlwind. What, continued she, as if speaking to herself, what are your plans? Have you any? None except to disguise myself and escape. When? As soon as possible. Suppose I call Miriam. She can help you. Shall I? Yes. Camilla called Miriam, and after a few moments' consultation, it was decided that Louise should escape that night and that Miriam should prepare whatever was needed for his hasty flight. Don't trust your secret to any white person, said Miriam, but if you meet any of the color people, just tell them that you's for the Lincoln soldiers and it will all be all right. We don't know all about this war, but we feel somehow we's mixed up in it. And so with many prayers and blessings from Miriam and sad farewells from Camilla, he left his home to enter upon that perilous flight. The whole current of his life changed. It was in the early part of winter, but the air was just as pleasant as early spring in that climate. Louise walked all that night, guiding himself northward at night by the light of the stars and a little pocket compass Camilla had just given him before starting and avoiding the public roads during the day. And thus he traveled for two days, when his lunch was exhausted, his lips parched with thirst, and his strength began to fail. Just in this hour of extremity, he saw seated by the corner of a fence, a very black and homely looking woman. There was something so gloomy and sullen in her countenance that he felt repelled by its morose expression. Still, he needed food and he was very weary, and drawing near, he asked her if she would give him anything to eat. Ain't got nothing. The soldiers done been here and eat it all up. Louise drew near and whispered a few words in her ear, and immediately a change passed over her whole countenance. The sullen expression turned to a look of tenderness and concern. The harsh tones of her voice actually grew mellow, and rising up in haste, she almost sprang over the fence and said, I've been looking for you. If you's a Northman, you's mighty welcome. And she set before him her humble store of provisions. Do you know, said Louise, where I will find the Lincoln soldiers or where the Sekish are encamped? No, said she. But my old man's mighty smart and he'll find out. You come with me. Nothing doubting, he went and found the husband ready to do anything in his power to help him. You's better not go any further today. I get you a place to hide where nobody can find you. And then I'll pump mass about the soldiers. True to his word, he contrived to find out whether the soldiers were near. Massa, said he, scratching his head and looking quite sober. Massa, hadn't I better hide the mules? 
Oh, I was afraid them Lincoln soldiers come take them because they gobbles up everything they lay their hands on just like geese. I heard they was coming. Must I hide the mules? No, Sam. The scalawags are more than a hundred miles away. They are near Natchez. Well, maybe twas our own Federal soldiers. No, Sam. Our nearest soldiers are at Baton Rouge. All right, Massa. I don't want to lose all them fine mules. As soon as it was convenient, Sam gave Luis the desired information. Here, said Sam when Luis was ready to start again, is something to break your fast, and if you goes this way, you mustn't let the white folks know what she's up to, but you trust this, said he, laying his hand on his own dark skin. His new friend went with him several miles, and pointing him out the way, left him to pursue his journey onward. The next person he met with was a colored man, who bowed and smiled and took off his hat. Luis returned the bow and was passing on when he said, Massa, excuse me for speaking to you, but them Sekish been hunting all day for a Zarda. Him capping, they say. Luis turned pale, but bracing his nerves, he said, Where are they? They's in the house. Is you he? I'm a Union man, Louis said, and am trying to reach the Lincoln soldiers. Then, said the man, if that under fact, I's got a place for you. Come with me. And Louise, having learned to trust the colored people, followed him to a place of safety. Soon it was noised abroad that another deserter had been seen in that neighborhood but the colored man would not reveal the whereabouts of Luis. His master beat him severely, but he would let neither threats nor torture wring the secret from his lips. Luis saw the faithfulness of that man, and he thought with shame of his former position to the race from whom such unswerving devotion could spring. The hunt proving ineffectual, Luis, after the search and excitement had subsided, resumed his journey northward, meeting with first one act of kindness and then another. One day, he had a narrow escape from the bloodhounds. He had trusted his secret to a color man who, faithful like the rest, was directing him on his way when deep, ominous sounds fell on their ears. The color man knew that sound too well he knew something of the nature of the bloodhounds and how to throw them off the track. So hastily opening his penknife, he cut his own feet so that the blood from them might deepen the scent on one track and throw them off from Luis's path. It was a brave deed and nobly done, and Luis began to feel that he had never known them, and then how vividly came into his mind the words of Dr. Charming. After all, we may be trampling on one of the best branches of the human race. Here were men, and women too, who had been trampled on for ages, ready to break to him their bread and share with them their scanty store. One had taken the shoes from his feet and almost forced him to take them. What was it impelled these people? 
What was the union to them? And who were Lincoln's soldiers so that they should be so ready to gravitate to the Union Army and bring the most reliable information to the American general? Was it not the hope of freedom which they were binding as amulets around their heart? They as a race had lived in a measure upon an idea. It was the hope of a deliverance yet to come. Faith in God had underlain the life of the race. And was it strange if when even some of our politicians did not or could not read the signs of the times, or write these people with deeper intuitions understood the war better than they did? But at last, Luis got beyond the borders of the Confederacy and stood once more on free soil, appreciating that section as he had never done before. And I said many, will help you pay for it. And so their young hearts had met at last, and with the approval and hearty consent of Anna, many and Luis were married. It was decided that many should spend the winter in southern France, and then in the spring they returned to America. On their arrival, they found the war still raging and Luis was ready and anxious to benefit that race to whom he felt owed his life and with whom he was connected by lineage. He had plenty of money, a liberal education, and could have chosen a life of ease, but he was too ardent in his temperament, too decided in his character not to feel an interest in the great events which were then transpiring in the country. He made the acquaintance of some anti-slavery friends and listened with avidity to their doctrines. He attended a number of war meetings and caught the enthusiasm which inspired the young men who were coming from valley, hill, and plain to fill up the broken ranks of the Union Army. Many, educated in peace principles, could not conscientiously encourage him and yet, when she saw how the liberty of a whole race was trembling in the balance, she could not help wishing success to the army, nor find it in her heart to dissuade him from going. Others had given their loved and cherished ones to camp and field. The son of a dear friend had said to his mother, I know I shall be killed, but I go to free the slave. His presentiment had been met, for he had been brought home in his shroud. Another dear friend had said, I have drawn my sword and it shall never sleep in its scabbard till the nation is free. And she had heard that summer of 64, how bravely the colored soldiers had stood at Fort Wagner when the storms of death were sweeping through the darkened sky. How they summoned the world to see the grandeur of their courage and the daring of their prowess how Corny had held with unyieldingly hand the nation's flag, and even when he was wounded, still held it in his grasp, and crawling from the scene of action, exclaimed, I only did my duty. The old flag, I didn't let it trail on the ground. And she felt on reading it with tearful eyes that if she belonged to that race, they had not shamed her by their want of courage. And so when Louise came to her and told her his intention, she would not attempt to oppose him. And when he was ready to depart with many prayers and sad farewells, 
She gave him up to fight the battles of freedom, for such it was to him who went with every nerve in his right arm tingling to strike a blow for liberty. Hitherto, Louise had known the race by their tenderness and compassion, but the war gave him an opportunity to become acquainted with men brave to do, brave to dare, and brave to die. A colored man was the hero of one of the most tender, touching, and tragic incidents of the war. A number of soldiers were in a boat exposed to the fire of the rebels. On board was a colored man who had not enrolled as a soldier, though his soul was full of sublime valor. The bullets hissed and split the water, and the rowers tried to get out of their reach, but all their efforts were in vain. The treacherous mud had caught the boat, and someone must peril life and limb to shove that boat into the water. And this man, the member of a doomed, a faded race, who had been trodden down for ages, comprehending the danger, said, Someone must die to get us out of this, and it must well be me as anybody. You are soldiers, and you can fight. If they kill me, it is nothing. And with these words, he arose, gave the boat a push, received a number of bullets, and died within two days after. Luis acquitted himself bravely and rapidly rose in favor with his superior officers. To him, the place of danger was the post of duty. He often received letters from many, but they were always hopeful, for she had learned to look on the bright side of everything. She tried to beguile him with the news of the neighborhood and to inspire him with bright hopes for the future, that future in which they should clasp hands again and find their duty and their pleasure in living for the welfare and happiness of our race, as many would often say. A race upon whose brows God had poured the chrism of a new era, a race newly anointed with freedom, Oh, how the enthusiasm of her young soul gathered around that work. She felt it was no mean nor common privilege to be the pioneer of a new civilization. If he who makes two blades of grass grow where only one flourished before is a benefactor of the human race, how much higher and holier must his or her work be who dispenses light instead of darkness, knowledge instead of ignorance, and over the ruins of the slave pen and auction blocks erects institutions of learning. She would say in her letters to Louise that the South will never be rightly conquered until another army should take the field, and that must be an army of civilizers, the army of the pen and not the sword. Not the destroyers of towns and cities, but the builders of machines and factories the organizers of peaceful industry and honorable labor, and as soon as she possibly could, she intended to join that great army. Sometimes Luis would shake his head doubtfully and tell her that the South was a very sad place to live in and would be for years, and while he was willing to bear toil and privation in the cause, he had learned to love yet he shrank from exposing her to the social ostracism which she must bear whether she identified herself with the colored race or not. However, 
Her brave young heart never failed her, but kept true to its purpose to join that noble band who left the sunshine of their homes to help build up a new South on the basis of a higher and better civilization. Louise remained with the army till Lee surrendered. The storm cloud of battle had passed away and the thunders of contending batteries no longer crashed and vibrated on the air. And then he returned to Minnie, who still lived with Thomas Carpenter. Very tender and joyous was their greeting. Louise thought he would rest a while and then arranged his affairs to return to the South. In this plan, he was heartily seconded by Minnie. Thomas and Anna were sorry to part with her, but they knew that life was not made for a holiday of ease and luxury, and so they had no words of discouragement for them. If duty called them to the South, it was right that they should go. And so they would not throw themselves across the purpose of their souls. Are you still up? Girl, good night. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.